0: If you would take your scriptures and turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, we'll be reading verses 16 through 26. Galatians five, sixteen through 26. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. "...envy, murders, drunkenness, revilers, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires." If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our Sovereign God, we come this morning to Your Word. We come to learn of You and Your Gospel. You told us, You blessed. You told us, blessed is the man whom You correct. Please help us to learn how to live pleasing lives before you. Work in the hearts of everyone here this morning. Show them the way to please you. Help us to take the truth of your word, apply it in our hearts, and draw us ever closer to you through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we need you because we can't do these things for ourselves. Use your word this morning and help us. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. God is a holy God. He is immutable. That means he's unchanging. His call to us is to be holy because he is holy. How can we be holy like him? We can not on our own. We need help to overcome the wickedness of our flesh. Paul tells us in Galatians 5 that we're in a war. A war between the flesh and the spirit. He says, if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He tells us that flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. He makes it clear. These are contrary to one another. What this does is, is to keep you from doing the things you know you should do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're no longer under the law. Paul goes on to show you what the, what the works of the flesh are. He gives a good long list of these things that pl- displease the Lord. He makes sure you understand that to do these th- kinds of things will keep you from inheriting the kingdom of God. He then gives another list of things. This is a list of the fruits of the Spirit. In other words... Those things the Holy Spirit brings into your life in order to help you live a life that pleases God. He points out that against such things there is no law. Everyone who is in Christ has crucified the flesh, all of its passions and all of its desires. So if we live by the Spirit and the fruits he gives us, we are walking as children that please their Heavenly Father. We are not being conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. Yes, your responsibility is to work hard toward that holy life. You are to study and learn of Jesus Christ, for it is in him, and in him alone you can see the best example of a holy life. I trust you understand. You will never achieve that perfect holiness in this lifetime. The promise of your life with him after this life is that he will transform you, transform you so that you have that perfection. When Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, he lost his communion with God and even his desire to serve and be with God. However, he did not escape the duties God had given him in creation. He was given three mandates, take a wife and multiply, work and earn a living, and worship your creator. In the fall there was a perversion of, of, of the heart of man. He no longer desired to do the things God called him to do at least not in the way God called him to do them. What he wanted to do was his own thing. What, he, what is important for you to understand is that even though man fell God did not remove from him the duty to carry out these mandates. Each Even today, all men, both regenerate and unregenerate, are under the command of God to take a mate and multiply, to labor and to worship their Creator, and to do it the way He calls them to do it. I opened with Galatians to show you how God looked at you. He sees you as a sinner with a truly wicked nature. He sent Jesus into this world to provide everyone, everyone who would hear and believe on Him a way out of your wickedness. He sent the Holy Spirit with the gifts of of grace to help you learn to live and please him. I want you to look this morning at how we can work in our lives to live that God-pleasing life. We will be looking mainly at it through Proverbs to show us how to do this. First, we will look at God's delights and displeasures. Second, we shall examine the traits and deeds that displease God. So first, we consider the traits and deeds that delight God. Who in his right mind would not desire to have his creator, the creator of the world, delighted with how they were living their life? Everyone who calls themselves a believer should be eager to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. For these are the words the Lord will use to welcome you into his presence. Let's see those things that delight him. The great contrast is found in the ways of the righteous and the ways of the wicked. Turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 31 through 32. 31 and 32. Proverbs 3, 31 and 32. Do not envy the oppressor. And choose none of his ways, for the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. You're told not to envy the oppressor or the violent man. Now, who is this violent man? This is the self-centered man. The man that treats others as though they have absolutely no worth. He is the bully, the tyrant, the wife-beater, always in a rage. You are warned to stay clear of his ways. This is not the man you are called to emulate. He's following what Paul called the works of the flesh. To follow this fellow's ways is to blindly stumble down the path of destruction. Not only should you not follow his ways, but you must not envy him. What in the world would a man like this have that anyone would want to envy Often such a man is mistaken. He's mistaken as a man of power, one who knows what he wants and goes after it. The problem is that he is a self-centered man. He seeks power only to use it on his own wants and desires. The love of power is the very thing that got Adam in trouble to start with. The love of power is the deadliest passion known to man. Men who are enslaved by their own wills always enjoy the brutish pleasures of tyranny. Look at what God thinks of these types of men. The perverse person is an abomination to the Lord. All that have such a perverse heart are those who are in rebellion against God. They are practicing the works of the flesh and they will never, never inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because God hates the wicked. His wrath is against those who rebel against him. I know there are some who want to deny God's hatred of sinners. They want to say his wrath will not come on the unregenerate, but they're wrong. Listen to Psalm 5, verses 4 and 5. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. Now, the word hate here in this verse comes from the Hebrew root meaning to hate or despise personally. It co- carries the connotation to, some, to find something odious. Psalm 21.9 says, You shall make them as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. All, all who refuse to hear and believe God. All who stand before his judgment seat without faith will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. They will come under his wrath forever. Proverbs 3.32 For blessed are those who keep my ways. You're told in Proverbs 11.20 But the blameless in their ways are his delight. How can a man be blameless before a holy God? There is only one way. He must believe in Jesus Christ and in Him alone for His salvation and be exercising the gifts of the Spirit. He must see himself as a sinner. He must understand he is lost and without hope apart from Jesus Christ. He must know hope comes only through Christ's sacrifice on Calvary's cross. He must recognize that the blood from Calvary is the only agent of cleansing and forgiveness. He has to confess with his mouth that Jesus is his Lord and believe it with his heart. He will then know that he has been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That he has been made righteous in the eyes of the Father, declared blameless because of the works of his Lord. When he knows these things in their simplest form, he will then know the truth of Proverbs 21.3 to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. The right and just things for you to do, that is more acceptable to God than sacrifice, is the placing of your trust in the works of Jesus in his life, in his death on Calvary's cross, and in his resurrection. Ask yourself this very morning, have I truly have I truly placed my hope, have I placed my confidence in Jesus Christ and in him alone? You must do this. You must do it if you want to stand before God and be declared blameless. Please, don't delay. For we have seen God is pleased only by those men who do totally trust in Christ. This contrast is also shown through your thoughts. Look at Proverbs fifteen twenty six. Proverbs 15, verse 26. Proverbs fifteen twenty six. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. Here, you see that God is also concerned with your thoughts. Do you not see that the fruits of the Spirit deal with more than your physical conduct, but also your mental thoughts? Too many times we fail to consider our thoughts and that they carry a responsibility. You were created in God's image. The greatest, the most amazing part of that image is your ability to think and reason. When God created you, he gave you the privilege of self-contained thought. With the privilege comes responsibility. Paul says in Philippians 4.8 you should think on whatever is noble whatever is true, whatever is right whatever is pure, whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things. This is exactly how God created Adam to think. He gave Adam the duty of pure and good thought. He provided Adam with a nature that was perfect in righteousness, knowledge and holiness. Because of Adam's Bad choice. Because of sin, Adam lost the ability to continue with pure thought. God, seeing man's heart and evil thoughts, sent Jesus Christ to die and shed his blood so that he might once again give some men the help they required to fulfill this duty of pure thought. He gave even more help in the sending of the Holy Spirit. He provided the gifts of the Spirit to help man grow in his love of his life with God. Just as God loves right and just acts of men and detests the acts of the wicked, so he detests the thoughts of the wicked and loves the thoughts of the pure in heart. How is it you can have a pure heart? You can have it only. When God gives it to you through Jesus Christ and fills it with the Holy Spirit. It comes only to those who come into the new covenant by hearing and believing on Jesus Christ and on him alone. God delights in men who tell the truth. Proverbs 12, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. How is it that a man can tell the truth? He must first have a new heart. In Genesis 6-5, you're told that the natural man with his old heart has a continuing flow of evil imaginations from that heart. Those imaginations are the works of the flesh. Natural man is always telling lies, even to himself. Do you live up to this standard of truth in your life? I don't. And I don't believe I will ever in this lifetime. The only hope before a holy God is Jesus Christ. Christ came and took on flesh and blood, living out a holy and perfect life. He died sacrificing his life because you were not able to complete the task before you. You couldn't do it. The only hope you have of entering heaven is to totally trust in the works of Jesus Christ. Because of your love for him You try to live your life as honestly in both deeds and thoughts as he empowers you to do. My friends, it comes down to commitment. Where is your commitment? Is it to the things of this world, to the pleasures and rewards of following the flesh? Or is it in Jesus Christ and his works and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and his words of salvation? You have to make a choice. It cannot be both. Either you love Christ and know your need of him to live a God-pleasing life. Or you think you can accomplish all you need to enter heaven on your own. The decision is clear. Follow yourself in your own thoughts or follow Jesus and live in his wisdom. We have talked about your life, your thoughts. Now, let's turn to your relationship with God. What is acceptable in the eyes of God for worship? Look at Proverbs 15:8. Proverbs 15:8. Proverbs 15:8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. It doesn't matter what the wicked man brings before God. It is detestable because of the condition of his heart. His heart is wicked and beyond cure. Those who come in the name of Jesus Christ offering to praise God in the way his revelation calls for will be accepted. Because they have been given a new heart. If you want to please God as you come to worship him, you must first acknowledge your sin and your need of his help to overcome sin and its guilt. He will only hear those who call on him through Jesus Christ. Salvation is the first act of true worship. What about the person who calls out to Jesus but does not change his life? Proverbs 21:27 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with wicked intent? There are those who will come to church. They'll even walk an aisle and claim they've given their life to Christ. But they go away. And they change absolutely nothing about how they live their life. They're still walking in the lust of the flesh. They didn't come because their heart made them come. They came because they wanted to cover a base just in case all this stuff about Jesus is true. They're not doing it because they believe it. They're doing it for an evil purpose. They're trying to con God. The Lord hates this type of behavior. These are the hypocrites and brood of vipers Christ spoke of often. Salvation requires a heart change. It is only a heart change that begins this process, not a mental redirection, not an emotional breakdown, not a personality change. And yes, all of these things are, come, are in the new heart and will the new heart will cause all of this to come about in you. Because they are grounded in the new heart and are strengthened by the fruit of the Spirit. No one, no one can con God. You may think you're a great con artist. But in heaven's gate, your ability will be useless. God knows the thoughts and the intents of every man's heart. His word is sharper than the two-edged sword, able to separate between your thoughts and deeds. You are known, and the displeasure of God rests squarely on all, all who refuse to call on the name of Jesus Christ with a humble heart. What will happen to the prayers of those who come without a new heart? Those who come without the fruits of the Spirit. Proverbs 28.9 says, one who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. God does not hear and respond to the prayer of the one in rebellion against him. In Deuteronomy 12.32, we're told, Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it or take away from it. Now, Moses is instructing the Israelites in worship here. To come before God and worship, must, you must come only as he directs. Paul in Colossians 2.23 says that even though the worship constructed from the imagination of man has an appearance of wisdom, it is self-imposed and worthless before God. Your worship must have nothing in it. Accept what God says is needed and must omit nothing God says is required. To live your life as one of God's children, pleasing him, requires that you be honest in your business dealings with others. Proverbs 11.1. Turn over there. Proverbs 11.1. Proverbs 11.1. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. To delight your God, you have to be honest in all of your business dealings. You must be you must do whatever it takes to even avoid the appearance of evil. Proverbs sixteen eleven says, Honest weights and scales are the Lord's, all the weights in the bag are of his works. This shows that honesty comes from the Lord. Only those with a new heart and the gifts of the Spirit can really be honest. With that said, it must also be made clear. Even with a new heart, you must fight hard to stay honest. Your old flesh hates honesty, and you must fight it all the time. Remember, you're in a war between the flesh and the Spirit. Therefore, you must know that the measure of all the weights is in the hand of the Lord. Jesus came into this world to be the one true weight. He and he alone is your standard. If you will live your life checking your ways against him, you will find constant correction and the pleasing smile of God on your life. Proverbs 20 verses 13 to 23 tells you that constantly changing weights are detestable to the Lord. The only unchanging weight is Jesus Christ. The only solid and unbending standard is Jesus Christ. Therefore, your life cannot be blessed by God without a commitment made in your heart to follow Christ and Christ alone. That is where the fruits of the Spirit comes in leading you down the right path. Let's turn now. To the traits and deeds that displease God. We will see these displeasing things a proud spirit, injustice, and false accusations. Also, we will see sexual immorality, joy over another's problems, wrong attitudes, and evil actions and lies. The first thing that displeases God in men is a proud spirit. Proverbs 16 5. Turn with me. Proverbs 16, 5. Proverbs 16, 5. Everyone, proud in heart, is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. We teach our children to be proud of their accomplishments, of their nation and of their family. There's no sin in this. Sin comes when we take pride in who we are and what we can do without considering God. That type of pride holds the heart back from God. It lifts itself up against Him. It contends for supremacy with Him. When it strikes at God, God strikes back. 1 Peter 5, 5 tells you, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. This false pride comes because of intellect, beauty, talent, wealth, station in life, or perceived goodness. Men obsessed with such pride forget that as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, they have nothing which they have not been given. God hates such pride. For those who believe in Jesus, they must see that their salvation and everything else they have is a gift from a gracious and loving God. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before Jesus Christ and give thanks and praise for His mercy and grace. For without it, without it you're destined to spend an eternity in hell. Second thing we see that displeases the Lord is the injustice and false accusations. Proverbs 17. Turn over there. Proverbs 17:15. Proverbs 17, 15. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. To take advantage of someone less fortunate than yourself is a serious sin. All men are created in the image of God. Even though all have fallen, all have marred that image, the image is still there. Whoever is doing something wrong to his fellow man is doing something wrong to God. To oppress the poor is to oppress God. To falsely accuse another man is to falsely accuse God. The command given you is to treat everyone like you would want to be treated yourself. If you want God's mercy and grace, then you must extend mercy and grace to others. How do you want God to deal with you about your sin? Then deal with those who sin against you in the same way. Whether you face someone who you have opportunity to take advantage of or someone who has taken advantage of you, treat them both as you would want Christ to treat you and you will avoid the abomination. There is no greater pull upon the young people than the desire to fulfill the works of the flesh. When not properly directed, it will become a terrible plague in their life. Proverbs 22, 14. Look with me in Proverbs 22, verse 14. Proverbs twenty two fourteen. 14. The mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit. He who is abhorred by the Lord will fall there. God created man and woman to be together. One man and one woman. The two becoming one. Paul says the violation of this command is a sin against your own body. It is an abomination against a holy God. It ignores his creative purpose for the body. The Bible is clear. Sex is a great temptation. It also says men who refuse to hear this call to purity will find his wrath upon them and will fall deeper and deeper into this sin. We need to be teaching our young people the truths of God's word. We need to help them grow in their wisdom of God, lest they be swallowed up by such sin. And you don't have to go very far today. But pick up a newspaper, turn on a radio or TV to see what they're trying to pull foist on our children today. We need to stand on God's word. In the next thing that displeases God, we have a very hard thing for the human heart to avoid. Look at Proverbs twenty four, verses seventeen through eighteen. Proverbs twenty four, seventeen through eighteen. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it, and it displeases him, and he turns away his wrath from him. Nothing pleases our hard hearts more than seeing our enemies suffer. We see it in sports. When our home team's chief rival loses, we go out and throw a party to celebrate their loss. We see it in politics. When something bad happens to our candidate's rival, we rejoice with, that their candidate might be over, done with. What this says is about us Is how selfish we really are. It brands us as people without the gift of self-control. We don't stop to consider the feelings of others. God says he will have none of that. Your enemy was created in God's image and you should never gloat over his defeat. This is the same as praying an imprecatory prayer. The imprecatory prayer is where you call down the wrath of God on your enemy. It must be prayed with grace and mercy. You must weep for your enemy and pray God would save his soul. What does Jesus tell us about our enemies? He tells us to love them. Last, <clears throat> last we see that wrong attitudes, evil actions, and lies are detested by the Lord. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. Turn over there. Proverbs six sixteen through 19. These are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. This is the hardest area for us all. Sinful man conceives of God in his heart as being just like himself. He thinks God looks on his sin with a little more than indifference. While he's sure God views the sins of others as being hideous. Men are as good at seeing the ends they want to achieve and then justifying those ends as godly and good. They set out to achieve these godly ends without any concern for the means. Your duty, your duty before your fellow man is clearly set forth in scripture. You are not to look at yourself as better than others. You are to esteem all men better than yourself. You are to be truthful in all of your dealings with others. You are to follow God's directives in dealing with others, always seeking to do good to others, not harm. Honesty is to be the hallmark of your life. You are to seek to bring peace, not sow discord. You must ever be checking the motives of your heart against God's word. God hates those who try to do things their own way. And boy, do we ever try to do things our own way. We need to recognize we can't do that. The man or woman who rebels against the authority placed over them is an evil person. God's wrath will be upon them. They will find their destiny in hell. The person who reads God's word and makes it his goal to be obedient will find peace and hope for his life in Jesus Christ. There's only one escape. Only one escape from the wrath of God. That escape is to fall on your face, acknowledge your sin, and call on Christ Jesus. That's what pleases God. While attempts at elevating yourself above others Are above God is what he detests. Please don't put off calling on the name of Jesus Christ. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You are promised only this moment. Seize the moment. Set your course on pleasing your sovereign creator God. You do that by believing on the one he sent to save men's souls and to cleanse them of their sinful ways. Paul in Galatians says... The works of the flesh were evident, and he gave a very long list of them. He then gave a list of the fruits of the Spirit. He declares that there is no law against the gifts of the Spirit. Take up these fruits of the Spirit and let them help you find your way. Here, he gives you the contrast between good and evil. If you will follow what he teaches, you will find you can live a life that is pleasing to God And enjoy the many blessings that flow from a godly life. Open your ears and hear. Open your heart and believe. God sent Jesus Christ in this world to save the souls of everyone who would hear and believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have told us, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have given the fullness in Christ to us. Help us take that fullness and be witnesses you have called us to be. Let our lives reflect the glory of Christ's riches of grace and mercy to this lost world, which we are passing through. Minister to everyone under the sound of my voice this morning. Help those who know you to grow and those who don't to see the light and come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ.